fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to fight Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. Before we get to this week's episode, as always, I'd like to remind you that if you're watching this on YouTube right now, and for whatever reason you would prefer an audio-only version of the episode, you can access that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And vice versa, if you're listening to this right now and you did not realize there was a visual side to the show, then please come check us out on YouTube. However you choose to enjoy the episode, please subscribe, follow, share, like, whatever it may be on that respective platform. I'm just trying to grow the channel, and I really appreciate the ability to reach any new listeners and or viewers. So thank you if you already have subscribed. Finally, if you'd like to reach out to the show, it's justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. Now for this week's episode, episode 31, another Zoom interview, a man I've respected for a long time. I actually met him when I was in, a, in middle school, surprisingly. We talk about that in the episode. It's Mr. Alan Neal. He's a mainstay at the CBC. Uh, he hosts a show called All in a Day, which you can hear in Ottawa, Kingston, Western Quebec, Monday to Friday. Starts at 3. Uh, just a great guy all around. Bit of a geek like me, so we got a little nerdy at the end. Uh, talked about COVID. It was just a great chat. Uh, other than... Hmm, Technical difficulties, so look out for that one. Uh, about halfway through the, the interview, I realized that the cord I thought was plugged in on my laptop was not actually pushed all the way in. So, yeah, about 25 minutes of scrambling around ensued until I finally got booted up on a different laptop and gave up on the first one, and we continued our conversation. So, uh, it's all stitched together nicely now, and I hope you enjoy, but uh, it was a fun chat. Thanks. I appreciate um, that. Thank you, man, so much for taking the time to sit with me in the first place. Oh, no that. worries. I'm sorry that took 14 minutes. To <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. Stuff. Audio stuff is always bound to happen. Um, we're coming in clear now, at least. Cool. But uh, I, yeah, I just want to thank you first for coming on. And uh, I got to say, I think it's funny that it's already, you know, not even noon and you're going from being interviewer to interviewee. Um, but I guess that's all in a day for Alan Neal. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to punt it up a little at the beginning here. No, um, but that's a good way to say for people who might not know, you are the host of All in a Day on CBC Radio. You guys are in Ottawa, Kingston and Western Quebec, I believe, right? Yeah. Eastern, Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec. So everything. 3 p.m. Every day. 613 and 819 area codes. Yeah, we're nice. That's us. Um, okay, well. Uh, actually, I should say first, my, my daughter even, because I always pick them up from school and you're always on the radio at that time. So my daughter was <laughs> like, oh, are, are you interviewing the guy from All in a Day? So even my kids were excited about this one. That um, means they're the really cool kids in school. When they're oh, listening yeah. to CBC radio, that just Talk means radio, they're, yeah. they, they obvi obviously are like the, the coolest kids around. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, my kids are awesome. Uh, I think they're pretty yeah, smart that, for their age, though. So I think they actually enjoy the talk radio sometimes. That's um, no, I mean, that, honestly, and this is, I, w we get emails sometimes from kids who are like 11 or 12 and, and there's this thing sometimes where I'm like, okay, are these the parents who are, you know, encouraging them? But the kids, they really connect to what they're hearing sometimes and they definitely. want to share their opinions and they want to, they, I was that kid. I, I remember what that was like, where I would hear my parents yelling at CBC on the radio and I'd be like, yeah, me too. I'm going to yell too. <laughs> I am also enraged by this interviewer. Um, well, and you and, guys have had uh, a lot of segments where you feature kids too. So, yeah, you know, yeah, the dream is real for them. Like my favorite segments are the ones where, when we did the March break club and all that stuff where, where kids just talk about what's on their, their minds. It's been, it's been fascinating, eye-opening for me. It's too. very cool as a kid to, uh, you know, when you get to feel like you get to play in the grown-ups world a bit. 
Um, I remember calling, I think it was the mayor or someone who was running for the mayor. My parents, you know, I must've been eight or something. My parents, oh, you should call in. And when I got through, <laughs> I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world, even though five minutes ago, I didn't even know who that person was. And, you know, <laughs> but it was just, I guess, an early form of this, you know, yeah. people want to listen to me. Um, I was going to say, now though, look, and now look at you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been a, a pretty cool year. I got to say, you know, we're still, yeah. um, playing the game of trying to get subscribers and all that. But I mean, that's never been my main mission with any of this. Just, it's been so cool to talk to all these people that I respected growing up and, you know, just even just realizing that sometimes all you got to do is just reach out and people are still people. And, you know, a lot of people have said to me like, you know, wow, you're getting impressive guests, but I just try. Like, I just, you know, I don't have a lot of shame and I have no problem emailing people a bunch and, you know, being persistent. Like you, I think I've been trying to get on here for months at this point, pre-pandemic. Yeah, this that really makes it sound like I am like the big get. Yeah, this <laughs> local radio show host. Yeah, we've landed him for sure. Well, the uh, pandemic uh, put a wrench in a lot of guests that uh, I had lined up around the spring, you know? Yeah, so yeah. It's nice no, to finally get to talk to you. It's, uh, that's, I, I, I'm so impressed that you've kept going during it because it's, it, I know for our show, it has completely changed the ability a to have guests in the studio we can't yeah. do that so it's all phone lines and then it's a million technical issues and yeah. all that's and trying to have intimate conversations with people about things that matter to them it's a very different thing when they're in the room versus i mean and here at least we're looking at each other but I, I, with the radio show we don't connect that Just way audio, right? it's all yeah. by phone so it's it's a very you feel very disconnected i think sometimes at a time when people were really craving connections so it's it's been definitely a i think a challenge too yeah um i actually took a i don't know what maybe a month or might have been two months when it all happened because i for a lot of the reasons you just listed i i find the connection just really being in the same room with someone and sitting down looking them in the eye it's just different than this and i'm not saying better or worse i probably would say better personally but um you know beyond that though we i have three kids and there was the whole school situation there um, and, uh, my fiance is an ICU nurse. I also work part-time, uh, sterilizing surgical equipment. So we were both kind of in the front line thick of it. And it was just, there was too much going on. You know, I was worried about my parents like everybody else. And, yeah. uh, so I said, you know what, let's, especially at that time, I, I, the only real guest of note, I would say was, was Strombolopoulos at that point. So, you know, I didn't really feel like I was letting a huge lot of listeners down. You know, it was 80, 80 subscribers on YouTube or something. So it just seemed like the smarter thing to do was focus on family. Um, but yeah. in the end, I've, I've found that the Zoom thing has been really cool because it's given me the opportunity to chat with people that never would have come to Ottawa anytime soon, you know? So I'm trying to embrace it, but yeah. I like and, to try to still... You get a little bit of a window as well into what this, although right now you're not getting a window into my house. I just want to clarify, I'm at the Writers' Fest Oh. offices because we were just doing the um interview with um ian rankin for the writers fest series that they're the, the festival for writers fest is all online this year so they have this sanitized <laughs> isolated booth in the, in the in their office where they have stacked books behind it and this is how the interviews that i'd normally be doing up on stage for Writers Fest. So Ian Rankin for this was in Scotland and I'm here. Uh, we were conversing this way for it, but, um, but, and the wonderful engineer Mike is leaving now. Bye Mike. Um, <laughs> but uh, so for instance, but even getting in here, you know, 
I'm masked anytime Mike is was anywhere nearby, and it's it's just a different it's bizarre altogether. Yeah. Like it's a very strange. I have not gotten used to any of it. Um, like thankfully, I you know I'm complying to everything that we should be doing. I, I feel like the first month. I don't know that I was wearing the masks and stuff because I was just, I'm stubborn by my nature probably, but uh, also just no one really knew exactly what was going on and it felt so new to everybody. But once it started really setting in now, now I can't stand when I see people, you know, with their noses hanging out like this. Oh, yeah. I, every time I want to scream, it's always in the grocery store around food too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, people, it's, it's been weird. And I was, uh, that was, we sort of touched on this, but that was something I wanted to start off with was like, what have been the biggest changes for you and, and how have you found adapting to this with the job that you do and with being a radio personality, yeah. you know? It's, I mean, it, I find it huge because, so I, the way we currently work it, they try to keep us out of the studio as much as, as possible. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and out of the offices as well as much as possible. So I work from home until one and then I walk to work through the somewhat deserted Ottawa streets. Uh, and I get to the studio and it's just me and my producer and an engineer. So all the associate producers, everybody else who you would normally reporters, uh, like it's, it's just, you walk into this sort of cavernous CBC and you've just like, I, it's going to be, I, I, I say very, optimistically when things return somewhat more yeah, to we'll normal, get there. <laughs> as opposed to if I'm saying when for the time being, but I think just the sheer noise level is going to be deafening because right now we've all almost all become so accustomed to this pristine silent, like that clickety clack of people typing. Yeah. Like you're so used to just hearing yourself and, and I, it's interesting, even just the muscle memory now that you sit down at your desk and the first thing you're doing is wiping everything down. Yeah. And then you get to the studio and you're wiping everything off. Like, even though I know now it's more a concern of, of the transmission face-to-face more than, than the surface contaminating. Surface stuff. Yeah. But we're, I'm not going to stop doing that. No, either. me neither. It's I'm not, still washing my groceries and stuff like a madman. It's still, yeah. so it's, it's that, but, but it's, I'm so used to now when I'm in the studio there being no one around that when we were setting up in a, a they were doing this hip hop series for uh, called OT rising for CBC. And there was one other person who like walked into the studio to set up the, the, the camera. And I was almost like, what, 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 what are you doing in here? Like it's, it seems, and it's so ridiculous, but it's, it, you just not because of an actual fear of the virus, but it's almost just, we're, I've become less accustomed yeah. To interaction face to face. We're conditioned to this now to do, some but, degree. But it, I mean, as, as we said earlier, I find the biggest shift is just that you, there are conversations that are just better when the person is in the studio and where you, there's no chance that the dog is going to start bark, barking in the background or that the phone is going to become disconnected or that there's just the general distraction. There's a different way people talk mm-hmm. when they are face to face than like there's a, there's a consciousness that we're having a conversation. Even right now, you and I looking at each other, we are aware that that person is, I, I really need to be focusing on you. Yeah, we're engaged. Yeah. If I, there is the slightest chance all the time that a, somebody who's on the phone, other stuff could be, taking them out of that mindset. And because radio is such an intimate 
medium. Like it's, it's creating those images in people's minds. Like when people are listening at home or in the car or wherever it is that they're listening, I, I, you, you really are stepping inside the minds of the two people talking. Yeah. And so if, if one of them is distracted, <laughs> it's, it throws you hear it right away. Yeah. yeah. So I think I, I, it's, it is a, I'm, I'm, I'm very indebted to people's ability to adapt and I am blown away in all honesty by how people have just both, both the people I work with and the people who we have on the show have just dealt with it. Like, people have just figured it out and moved forward, but it is a very different way of storytelling. Like I'm also a big fan of sound on the radio. I'm a big fan of going out and hearing what it's like on the LRT and hearing the sound of, uh, if you're in a park or the environment traffic or the bus or, you know, whatever it is that you, wherever you are that we haven't been able like our face-to-face interviews, if we're lucky enough to ever get them, you're, you're with a boom mic at a distance. Like I, I went out to interview Sally Thomas, uh, the former, uh, well, not former, Paralympian powerlifter who, you know, she's in a wheelchair and she was trying to get this bus stop fixed. And I said, this is a natural TV story. So it would be great if we could do it at the same time. But it was the first time when I was actually, so I was like literally nowhere near her. Normally I'd be about like just it's handheld the mic. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm crouched down and I, I was like, this is not creating necessarily. She was amazing. Like she, she had no issue with it whatsoever, but it's not creating a, let me tell you about this thing that really matters to me. It's like, Sally, would you tell yeah. me about what you're going through with this bus? Like it's it. So when there, especially when it's a story like that that really matters to people, I people adapt. I adapt. Everybody goes with it, but it is different. It it is a different way of conversing, and I guess it is just the amazing thing of the human spirit that it still translates. Like the people still find ways of still talking about themselves and, and the things that matter to them. But even with this, the weirdness that we've all been thrust into. Oh, we're a resilient group of uh, individuals, human beings, yeah. you know? So uh, I agree. And it is weird. Like you're saying, it's such a massive distraction. I assume for her when she's being interviewed and you're just like squatting there, you know, <laughs> 10 feet away or whatever. Um, but even some of the other people on your, on your show doing the weather and they're doing it from home, yeah. I assume. Right. Yep. Yeah, well, until recently, Ian was at home, which I actually kind of loved because the sound of his backyard, I felt was like this yeah, vicarious yeah, nice. <laughs> thrill. I was sort of like, oh, you get to be outside. Yeah. I'd like to be outside right now. Uh, but he is now back in the office. Like they're slowly bringing people back. Someone in. was in their daughter's closet the other day when I was listening. Yeah, that was <laughs> in, in, uh, in our, our business reporter in Calgary. He had been, I mean, and this is what I'm fascinated to see how this is going to progress. So he had been let back into work. He was back, you know, at the business desk in Calgary. And so they do hits for afternoon shows across the country. He was all cleared. Then case in point, somebody he has to deal with, he has to go into quarantine. So he's back at home putting up like his daughter's frozen blankets in (laughs) around him for sound baffling. And he's like sitting there in the midst of like Disney princess stuff uh, talking about the business world. It's like, and that 
as every school case develops, every daycare case develops, every like, I just, I'm, I'm so fascinated to see how this is going to play out in terms of. Well, um, speaking of daycares, didn't you just deal with the situation? Yeah, we, like we that? just, we just, uh, my twins are now still in, in isolation. Um, they, so their, their daycare had a case and we found out. So, I mean, if you daycare shuts down for 14 days mm-hmm. ah, and then you, so, and then of course you're going through the angst of getting twins tested yeah. as well as their older sister. Especially right now while all the lineups are just growing and yeah. growing for testing. Yeah. So we were, you know, we tried to do the brewer park and it was five hour wait and the heron was three hours, both the, the, um, offshoot, uh, sorry, vocabulary failing me right now, but the, the, the tent, the additional tent they had set up had a three hour wait. The original lineup had a three hour wait. And it's one thing when you're going there, like as, you know, an adult male grown, yeah, you can yes, go on I your could phone stand and there and, just, and yeah. like, that's one thing when you've got three kids all under six, like that's the brutal. idea of let's all stand in line for five hours. I was just like, uh, Not happening. how is this good work? So, I mean, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to go down. I'm going to do that thing where I got there at three in the morning and I will just stand in line. I'll be the marker. And then I will just call and say, Hey, it's time um, to come down. We ended up instead doing the Canadian tire center mass um, drive through okay. thing, which again, like of the things that I ever could have envisioned <laughs> 2020, like, the parade of cars like that was not leaving a game at the Canadian Tire Center, but that was like just being led in this parade for, it was still three hours we were there, but at least we were in a car like able to be broadcasting Nello the Princess Night and yeah, and uh, to and you have your own space kind of, yeah. Exactly. Like the the Aristocats can entertain them at least while they're as opposed to them have to stand in line. Um, It but I was again, and then like, hey kids, here's what we waited for a swab. <laughs> like, it's just. You said we were getting ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of ice cream. Yeah. No, it's, I, I uh, and again, like, I'm more power to the people who are running it and all of the people who make those things happen. But what a bizarre experience. And yeah. then waiting for your test results four days I think it was for it to come through and I know that's not because anybody's slacking that's because this is the insane reality right now but four days of not only waiting for test results but also a very uncertain thing of like what are we supposed to be doing where are the answers yeah coming from what are we supposed to be keeping our six-year-old home while should you be trying to limit to interaction with your own are we are we supposed to and so yeah. getting those those and i say this in a very very privileged position of like i am technologically i have internet connection i mm-hmm. have the ability to keep checking online for the results i have a job that at least i like and my wife it's have adaptable. jobs that yeah, that can work with this. We have jobs, first of all. That well, we, there you go. Yeah, this is That's so all of that is is privilege, right? Like for all the families 
who also have three kids and all, like uh, much more dire situations, I cannot imagine. And so then on Thursday, I think it was when the test results went down online, like the website just reported oh, just we are unable to access results. I thought, oh my gosh, like we were waiting. We had the twins at that point, but we were waiting for everybody else. And I thought this, like the collective meltdown of a province at that point to that news, I thought this is so weird to be yeah. in this, this situation. And you don't want to be the person who's griping and complaining, but I, I, I know how tough it is for a lot of people out there and it's it's scary All it's surreal it's too it's it's discombobulating when you wake up and you have to remember that this is the world we're in now i don't know i mean yeah. we had a, a different experience in some ways because we're both hospital workers my fiance and i so um we get the trade-off of being like she gets to skip the line when she went to get tested the one time but she's right. also she's also on the front line exposed so, you know, to it yeah it's kind of a trade-off there because we were terrified at the beginning especially when no one really knew how contagious this thing was, et cetera. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, with three kids, not only that, but my oldest two, we have joint custody with my ex-wife and um, she was pregnant at the time. So it was oh, just so many variables to worry about. <laughs> wow. But, oh. uh, you know, everything's honestly been pretty good since then, since things died down. I mean, I know we're headed towards the second wave. It's a little worrisome, but I got and to Oliver, start doing... What is, what is your role at the hospital then? Oh, I sterilize surgical equipment. Okay, so, so I'm I mean, just a, a part-time worker. I'm mainly a stay-at-home dad. I try and pick up shifts whenever she's got days off. Right, essentially. okay. Yeah. And then I do but, the show. But I mean, still, that's like, that's, yeah, you, you guys are not exactly removed from... No, not by any means. The I mean, she's uh, at the Queensway, so it's uh, not the biggest hospital compared to like the Civic campus or something like that where I work. Um, so that's good because she's really on the front lines as an ICU uh, nurse at the very beginning, there was lots of patients where she'd be coming home and we'd be like, you know, put your clothes in the washing machine and get in the shower, like right away, stay away from everyone, you know, and I should preface by saying that I have OCD and I'm, uh, I was somewhat of a pretty big germaphobe before this. So in one way I've always kind of, it's like, I've been preparing for this my whole life, <laughs> but yeah. at the, other, the other side of it is, you know, it definitely amped up anxiety and stuff for me even more than maybe for the next average person that isn't like, you know, oriented to be that way. Um, but what, what no, can that, you do? That right? must be intense for you though. That, that's Well, I mean, OCD and anxiety is sometimes intense just on a normal day, like even sure. before the pandemic, trying to pick a cereal at the grocery store and I have some meltdown <laughs> over that, you know, like only to realize in the car later that how ridiculous it was or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, all we can do is try to keep going, right? And stay positive. And it's been good doing the show again because I've been able to have cool chats like this, which is always uplifting for me. And we did a few in studio. I do have a big plexiglass thing now. So we're trying, my dad wears an N95 because he's just turned 65 and he's kind of the audio technical wizard here. Right. Um, so we've only done a few of those, but I'm trying to pepper them in for all the reasons we talked about that. It's just so much more fun. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is a blast. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hangs up. Um, <laughs> I wanted to, uh, let's, let's go back a little bit because I don't know much about your roots. You weren't the easiest guest to research. I mean, there wasn't ample like <laughs> Wikipedia on you or anything like that. So um, I wanted to yeah. know like, how you got. I, I had a Wikipedia entry at one point and then it got taken down. Like, I think, I think that's got to be a new low in, in uh, one's popularity at the point where like, uh, we don't think he's worth this. Let's yeah, just take this down. 
I never contributed to it, but it was the weirdest thing to watch it evolve. Cause I would like every so often someone would say, Oh yeah, I, I looked at your Wikipedia entry and I was like, Oh, so I'd open it. And these weird, like often completely erroneous things would be in yeah. there. And I'd be like, Meh, meh, let's just see how that myth lives on. We'll just like, let yeah, that go I was, for a I was a stuntman back in 94, actually. No. Sure, uh, yes. I did. Yeah, no, I, Absolutely. I yes. had to learn that the hard way with a couple of interviews I did when, when Spenny came on. You know, I said, oh, uh, so you studied at Second City Comedy in Toronto? And he's, he said, no, I don't know why everyone thinks that. But sure enough, it was on the <laughs> Wikipedia page. So I've tried to lean into other directions when it comes to Yes, <laughs> always a smart idea. Well, there, I Wikipedia. mean, you, Wikipedia can be a, a good sort of uh, sure. Cole's notes or whatever, but you definitely have to double check yeah. some of that stuff. Um, anyways, all this to say, I wanted to know how you got your start in broadcasting. And I wanted to sort of bring up that I met you when I was like 12 <laughs> or 13. You did. I was part of the... Yeah. Gloucester Youth Theater Productions was the name That's of it. Right. And uh, we were, it was like a drama club for kids, I guess. And yeah. we put on a play at the end of the year sort of thing. I met a lot of cool people there, though. And you came by as sort of a mentor of sorts for uh, during the production. So it's yeah. really cool to reconnect after all these years. What was your role? What was your part? I think I was the best friend of the main guy. The main guy yes. was Roman. I think I was playing Ben and it was his, uh, his best buddy, sort of a, one of the main supporting characters. Because you were, it was a, it was an update on Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And Sarah Kaloran had written it, and her mom, Chris Kaloran, was running the theater company, and she was the one who had asked me to come talk to the kids, and it was actually a super fun thing every week. But yes, yeah, so you probably would have been like the Benvolio update yeah. version yeah, yeah, of, of was, the, yeah. the Romeo. Probably there's some Shakespeare person now tuned in saying. You got that totally wrong. But anyway, oh, I, I'm, I, I I'm can't confirm or deny that either. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Um, but yeah, that was, so it was hilarious. Like I, I wish I still had video or a script or something. You could have done a reenactment of your <laughs> role. You could have like pulled out. Yeah, I don't even have any and... pictures from that whole time. I don't think. Um, <laughs> the, what I remember most, I, there was a, um, and I can't, I unfortunately don't remember a lot of the kids. Names. It was so much fun to do that. But there, I think his name was Matt. I'm not sure. But Matt Morrow, a, a really tall guy. He wasn't tall at the time. But oh, okay. so, oh, Matt so it, Joyce, probably Matt Joyce then. Yeah. My anyways. gosh, you're still okay. You're still like yeah, I know these guys. They're all the Beacon Hill boys. Yeah. I remember this the scene. I think it was the three of you where I my my big note to you was I was like okay so just remember you're always coming from somewhere when you're entering a scene like you didn't just you, you so you're not you on character when yeah. you first walk on the scene you you're coming from somewhere so matt where were you coming from and he was like stage left yes literal but but where were you in character before the scene where would you go and he was like looked and was like stage left <laughs> it's so serious <laughs> I was like, okay 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 but, we'll but uh, no yeah. but yeah i mean i i i actually genuinely remember just thinking that was such a window into how kids what what the amount they were willing to like um what's the word i'm looking for um get it like just give themselves thinking okay yeah i'm i'm gonna take on this drama project versus the too cool for school period it's like that exact age where kids would either, oh, my parents are making me come to this, or, yeah, I really want to do this. Is yeah. that that's fascinating moment of how you win them over. Yeah, I would say it was, uh, I was, I think, grade seven. So I was probably 12 or something like that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 13. 
And uh, I think most people were in that range of 12 to 16, probably, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it was it's... 1998 or nine, I guess. I... Wow. Ages ago now. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I feel so old. <laughs> um, so is, uh, how did you get your start, though? Uh, oh, right. That's the, your actual Sorry, question. Yeah, I went on a yes. tangent there. Terrible interviewee here. I'm, yeah. uh, like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm setting you off course here. Um, so how did I get my start? So I did journalism at Carleton and, um, that was always, and my, I, I think I was always interested in telling stories of, of people. And that's where theater and journalism kind of intersected. Cause I was, a uh, writing plays a lot at the time, but I also knew <laughs> The big money was maybe not in theater and uh, I was in journalism. That's where the big money is. Uh, no, but I, I thought, you know, what's, what's something that I could, I knew I wanted a job that was going to be fulfilling. I knew I wanted to not be doing something that was, I didn't enjoy. And so I thought journalism was a way of pursuing that. And uh, while I was at, university though my time ended up being very evenly split between theater uh, the sock and buskin show and i started running my own theater company at the time and journalism uh as a as a program so in fact i did so much in the theater stuff that i kind of forgot to do an internship and i got to my fourth year of uh journalism at carlton and realized that <clears throat> this was kind of a key thing when you're trying to get a job afterwards, being able to say, I did an internship at. Oh. But what I had done, though, weirdly. Please stand by. Hey. Oh, man. Hi. What a nightmare. Um, so, yeah, it, I basically had my cord in a position where it was in the, the slot, but not actually pushed in all the oh. way. So I thought I was oh, fine. No. And then all of a sudden, everything shut down. Um, now I've got pit stains from running around trying to push <laughs> Um, yeah, my main, my main thing is hoping that I can salvage what we had because I thought it was a good chat so far. If we do have to redo it, we'll just be honest about what happened and then yeah. we, we can take it in a totally different tact or whatever if, if you want. Um, the, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, like we did that, that hip hop series that we did, it was this wonderful Instagram live event and the exact thing happened. The, the system crashed after two, they had four different people I was going to during it and it crashed and we lost the first half of it oh, because no. in the, in the frantic thing, cause it was live, everyone's trying to salvage it. Nobody realized the whole thing about the recording element having been lost. So it happens at the CBC too, where the yeah. people, the technology just will. Yeah, I know it's, it's part of the, the game, but uh, it's frustrating as all hell. And oh, I, mean, I know to be honest, this may work out in a weird way because what we're doing now is technically recording. So for all I know, when I export this, it may cut <laughs> immediately from what happened to this. And that could be, yes. I'm kneeling on my floor right now <laughs> because this one's plugged in over here. So um, it just uh, sucks for, for the conversation. Uh, I mean, this is recording now. We might as well try. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's keep going with it, and then if only got uh, twenty minutes, so I'll try and power through these questions. So, in a nutshell, finish up your journalism. (laughs) Yes, uh, journalism. um, If 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 this still exists, so yeah. So I I uh, I think I was. I hope I don't know where it cut out on exactly, but um, you were talking about an internship, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So so um, the internship. Uh, ended up coming about because in a weird way, because of theater, because I was on weirdly enough, all in a day as a playwright. Like they, they interviewed me about my plays that I was doing. And uh, the producer at the time said, 
anyway, I thought it was interesting or whatever and said, Hey, have, have you done your internship yet? And I had graduated at this point and I was like, no, I didn't end up doing that. And they said, well, do you want to work? Do you, you want to come here for a couple of weeks in the summer and do work for free basically? Um, which is what interning was at that point. And uh, I said, yes, yes, I do want to do that. And so uh, I did. And I mean, it was a very different world. This is when All in a Day was still broadcasting out of the Shadow Laurier. And it was oh, cool. a two hour show with like, t- uh, at that point, I think it was a, produ- there was the producer, three associate producers, a production assistant, um, a music person, the trap, like every, we had for two hours of programming, which only had like one item every half hour. It was an incredibly different world of resources. So then to have this additional intern there was, it's kind of funny, but um, at the time I was, I, I was kind of, cause it, journalism at that point prepared you very much for um, being a reporter and current affairs at that point anyway, wasn't so much part of the training. So the idea that I could really just be writing and working for a host to do stuff sounded awesome. Like working behind the scenes, yeah. nobody has to hear my voice. I, I still get to research and talk to all these people every day. And this is kind of fantastic. And, um, and yeah, so that's, that's uh, being an associate producer, I thought would be great. And what ended up happening was, and this is actually still the way it works at CBC really is that I was there and people kept getting sick. And so I just kept, filling in and filling in. And so it would be these contracts of day, 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 day. And it just went on for a long time. And uh, so much so that people, I think, thought I had a long-term contract or I was a casual um, employee when, in fact, I was pure contract for a long time. Like it was just the luck of of being able to be there. And then... um, and I, I, I loved it. Like I, I, I've always loved the medium of radio, but I never loved my voice. So I didn't think I was really the on-air person, right? So, and then it was just this fluke one time. What was it? That, oh yeah, it was uh, the film reviewer one week got sick and we actually had this hole on the show and I, they said, oh, well, it'd be great if it was something pop cultural. And then that night on the Nashville network, they were re-showing the episode of Dallas called who shot the who shot JR episode. And uh, I said, "Eh, I could do a commentary on what it was like being six years old and like the effect of what that was at the time, like as a kid, what Dallas and the producers got like, yes, yes, you will go ahead. And so I did. And then people responded really well to it. And they said, Oh, you should do more pop culture stuff. Like that's, that should be your, your thing. And so I started doing that. Get, felt comfortable enough getting on air and, and doing that stuff. And then this is a really long answer to your question. Oh, okay. um, but the, but <laughs> the, um, the producer of the morning show, they wanted a consumer columnist and she said, I like the way you sound on air. Would you consider being the consumer columnist? And, uh, I said I would be a terrible person to be a consumer columnist because I don't spend my own money wisely. I'm like a 20 something guy at that point yeah. and like single and Frivolous. this is not, I'm not, I'm not responsible. Um, but I am really interested in why people buy things and could we do something about it, like a sociological column? And she said, that does not sound 
sexy at all. Could you come up with a better name? And I said, what about trends? And so then that's when I, I started this trends column. And that really was where I was still doing, I was still associate producing behind the scenes all the time, but my on-air stuff really took off at that point because people, for whatever reason, really clicked with this trends column. And so every week I would pick something that was, we were seeing more of as a society and it could be anything um, and then get a bunch of people to analyze it and investigate it. And, and that for me was also like a really eye-opening moment of saying, okay, you can like, you can create a space for yourself in, and th- th- again, this is pre-podcasting. This is pre, yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind like of the, a, a lot of this now. stuff, like people now are sort of like, well, yeah, of course you do. You just yeah. create something and people come and find it. But within the system of a CBC, it was, it was eye-opening for me anyway, to figure out how you could carve a space and that people like, that's the amazing thing about that station, Ottawa in particular with CBC was that there were people who then fed it, right? Like they were people who said, okay, where do you want to go with this? Wow. What can we do to, to assist, make this happen? And the, um, the producer of the morning show at that point was Jane Anito, um, who, who passed away last year, but she was instrumental in making that stuff occur. Like there was, there was a little bit more time at that point in to be looking out for the young up and coming people like I, I try and do as much of it as I can now but there was there was it was kind of in the infrastructure oh that's the writer's fest phone let me just answer that um <laughs> I don't know what I should do in this situation it's been a fun technical day <laughs> uh I'm not going to answer that oh no I think I would <laughs> that would be weird it? yeah <laughs> um now I feel bad. Like somebody's phone number is being broadcast on this podcast. Oh, I can cut talk this over out if we have to. Yeah. yeah. Um, think that's done. Uh, so I, yeah. So the the trends column happened, and then um, and then that got syndicated nationally, and uh, that was a, like an amazing thing at the time. And then the hosting started again. I didn't think this was something I wanted to do, but this, this is, this is my last short story for you, but this, this fluky, fluky moment where um, I happened to be walking by the Ontario Today studio. They were at this point broadcasting from the Royal Winter Fair in Toronto, but here in Ottawa, they had just the engineer, Ryan, who was there at the, the board. And he looked like he was just having a meltdown. And I just swung in to say hello to him. And he's like, I can't talk right now. We've we've <laughs> lost the system. The Christmas tree fell over in uh, in Toronto, and we've lost the connection. And I I can't broadcast them. We're coming up in like a minute. And the producer Elizabeth Hay was on the line, and she's like, Is that Alan? Just tell him to go in and fill. And so like there was like, go in, go in. And I I kind of thought it was a joke. Like I didn't think like this is something that happens in a Hollywood movie or something. And so I yeah, like, yeah. walked in and I put on my headphones and I sat there at the bike and I was like, okay, what, what's really going to happen? They're like, go, go, go. And so then I started, hi, here, this is Alan Neal. I, you might be wondering why Dave Stevens isn't talking right now. Well, we're trying to fix the system. And like, I had no, I were coming up there and they're like on the talk back saying, Pete and I was like, Pete Moss, is that a person? Are we talking about the object, Pete Moss? I don't know. Uh, they're going to be talking about 
Pete Moss. And so it was just stretching for what felt like 20 minutes. It was probably like two or something, two <laughs> minutes or something, but it was then, and you saw all the people and come and start running down the halls, like in the, and of course it's through the glass. So I could just see everybody's like, why is Alan on the radio? Why is Alan on the radio? And so then gradually, you know, people helped out, but the producer said, you know what, if you can do that, I'd be really interested in having you fill in as a host. When you're actually and, prepared for it, yeah. And, and like, do this for real. And so yeah. then that's when I started. And and from then on, it's just been like, it was a lot of fill-ins and a lot of, of that. And and um, Ontario Today was my first actual job after that, weirdly enough. And then I then did bandwidth for a bit and fuse for a bit, and but it came full circle and I'm now hosting all in a day. So it's that, that is, that is the weird little road trip through, through broadcast. How, how long have you been at all, all in a day now? What a great question. You would think I would. I'm curious. Cause I know I've heard you on there for what seems like ages now. Yeah. Well, I mean, and weirdly enough, like I was filling in as the host like in 2001, right? Like it was, it, so uh, okay. that was, that was still the zone of like being able to fill in for, for people here and there for a long time. I mean, I was a, I was a casual at one point I held the record. I can't remember whether Julie Ireton or I have the record now, but for the longest time as a casual employee, like where people thought, Oh, you have a job there without having a job. Mm. And they sat me down at one point and said, you might never have a job here, but you will always have work. And at the time I had to figure out again in my twenties, that seemed okay. Like I didn't have a family. I was like, okay, yeah. work like forever, work. Yeah. never have a job. Okay. That seems like the norm now. Uh, I, I think now maybe, maybe you would be better to tell me this or not, but I, I, I don't know whether people would be as ready to accept that now. I think now people are much more ready to say, I no, you have to actually give me the stability and make me like, allow me to have a job that, that would uh, respect uh, completely with benefits, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, my impression is that that's much more top of mind than perhaps I was then. So it would, it worked out for where I was at that, at that time. But that's, that's kind of, uh, so, I mean, when people say they've sort of heard me on the show forever, it could have been when I was filling in. Intermittently. Sort Intermittently. Of, yeah. It could be well, like, I'm trying to think of actually when, when was I, the hard date that you became the official? When I actually began, but I'm sure we're coming up on ooh, nine years. Oh, okay. Now, or yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe, maybe that that zone. Okay. Well, I know you got to get like out of here, and uh, hopefully, we don't have to reshoot this whole thing based on all the technical crap that happened. <laughs> but um, I want to ask you switch to geekiness because this show yeah. is pretty geeky. Um, yes, I saw all the comics behind yeah. you. I was like, I was trying to spot everything behind you. Oh yeah, it's a pop culture uh, explosion down here. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask you just sort of quickly if you had a favorite fandom. And then mm. that sort of ties into the last question that we've been asking every guest this season, which is uh, if you could have a superpower endowed upon you, what would it be and why? Oh. Nothing, uh, not allowing flying. We've never really allowed flying. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, a fandom that I love the most. Well, that's um, a hard question. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, one one of the coolest experiences. This is this. I I will think about it from my own perspective in a sec. But one of the coolest experiences. I went to San Diego Comic Con a while back because a friend of mine who's a filmmaker 
his film was being shown there and he was like, do you want to come? Like, do I want to come? What? Are you kidding me? And it was, it was an amazing, like for a geek, it was like, Oh, I've always wanted heaven. to go. Like it's, it's insane. The, the people that you were up close with and, and uh, like the, the, the introductions you were seeing for the first time, all that stuff was amazing. But one of the most interesting moments was going to the orphan black um, day because yeah. I, I mean, I love the show Orphan Black, but I thought of it as this Canadian underground show yeah. that, that I was, and then you walk into this room and it was like an, not an arena, but like a full conference room full of like people dressing up like the characters. And like, I was sitting beside this American woman where she, they, they, at one point they showed the scene where they they were like making it rain money. And she was like, Oh yeah, because you know that's real money. That's that's Canadian money. She was saying to me, and I'm like, I know, I'm from Canada. But it was it was this incredible seeing this row of Canadian actors up there. I mean, Tatiana Maslany, like, what an insane. She just got, didn't she talent. get cast as She Hulk? Yeah, she did. Yeah, she that's did. So cool. Which, I like I well that's going to be great. I love She Hulk too. Like I mean, oh what a cool a, character. As, yeah, she breaks a, the fourth wall, much like Deadpool. That's to know that, that she's a comic book character. The the um the the sensational She Hulk when yeah. I was about twelve or thirteen probably was when that came out and that was completely like nothing uh, for me anyway at that point yeah. where that whole playing with maybe reality, Howard the Duck might have done yeah. some of that but that's about it back then yeah and I I mean I tend to be more of a DC person than I'm I sense oh, really? you and from your wall you are more a Marvel I'm more Marvel but my dad and my brother are heavy DC so I have those influences still. <laughs> I um Marvel makes much better movies. I'm not going to I'm not going to fault you on that. Um but the but uh yeah, that that's will be so interesting to see what they do. And I, I you know I found it so interesting also the what people have been saying online like allow She-Hulk to be as ugly as the Hulk when she yeah. changes. And I was suddenly like, "Oh my god, that's so interesting." Like I hadn't even really thought that through. Yeah, because like you imagine they're just gonna, you know, make her look sexy and <laughs> super stuff. hot, yeah. like Amazonian kind of, but I, I never thought about the fact that, oh, right. We, monster, accept, yeah. we accept the monster part of the Hulk, but when she's She-Hulk, for some reason, she just becomes super gorgeous and green. But yeah. I never never really thought of that. But so I'll be interested in seeing what they how they play with that. Um, so for your but, superpower, because I think we got four minutes and it may just cut us off at 12.30. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. Uh, my superpower, you know, I've been always fascinated with the the telekinetics in um, in in comics and and TV, both in like the horror sense, but also the in in actual superpower. And I think often when I would do like role playing games, like superhero stuff, it would often be I would give that was the, the power of choice. Um, I think that idea that you're able to control things at a Moving objects with your mind and stuff. Being yeah. able to help, like the, that idea that you can't, because I think, I think we have a, a fear of like not being able to get to someone in time. Yeah. And that idea that you wouldn't have to be reaching out or using your, but the, and also that idea that your mind could potentially be stronger than physically you would be. Not that I'm not massive physically, <laughs> but, but that you, that you would be able to, no matter how strong you were physically to be able to, stop something or or control something i think well with that power too you could depending on how you look at it you could probably make yourself fly by using it on yourself oh yeah you know yeah so. well this is the the, the whole sue storm thing of like yeah. 
Yeah, so, oh, she can just create force fields, except the force field could be anything you want. It can be a little platform she stands on, yeah. Exactly, the catapult or whatever you need. Like it's. And and people also forget that I believe she can make things invisible that she touches as well to some degree. Yeah, but I think it was always kind of a little unclear as to what... Depends on the writer, yeah. Oh, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's comics for you, though. Um, Okay, well, we'll wrap it up. I don't want to get cut off abruptly, so I'll thank you again so much for coming, and we'll have to have you on again... Yeah. Regardless, regardless of if it's because we have to or because, <laughs> you know, um, just to have you on again. So thanks yeah. again, man. Thanks so much. For sure. If you need to, yeah. And if you need to even do more of this or like whatever, you let me know. Rework it somehow. Thank you so much. I really okay. do appreciate that. And I'm going to have to make sure that damn cord is plugged in all the way now. <laughs> Ugh, what a nightmare. 2020! Out to be, but still a great time. Yeah. No, this was great. Thanks. And and yeah, if you if you need anything, but, but congrats on the show and Thank everything you, it's doing. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day, man. Bye, Oliver. Bye.